When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 137 of the Golf Unfiltered podcast. I'm your host as always, Adam, from GolfUnfiltered.com. You can follow me on Twitter at GolfUnfiltered, and you can send me an email, GolfUnfiltered at gmail.com. You can also find us on Instagram and Snapchat. This is another bonus episode this week, folks, as we continue our dive into my 2011 self-published, very fancy book, (laughs) The Bag Room. This is chapter three. We're going to talk a little bit more about my time working as a bag room attendant at my local uh, hometown country club growing up. Uh, That club, of course, was Joliet Country Club, as I've mentioned in the previous two chapters. But in the book, I originally changed the name to Alberton Country Club. Now I don't really care that people know it's Joliet Country Club for some reason. I don't know. But uh, in the third chapter, we're going to to meet another... uh, hilarious character that uh, is based off of someone who I worked with. Uh, the man in the uh, the chapter, his name is Clayton, and he's another bagroom attendant. And you're going to hear uh, one of the more amusing stories that I remember from, uh, from Clayton uh, growing up, and uh, you'll hear what I mean when we get into it. It involves a driving range uh, golf ball washer. So any of you who have uh, worked at a country club or a golf course in the past and have worked at the driving range, you know what I mean. Those things are not pleasant machines. And so uh, for those of may not have heard the first two chapters, please go back and download those episodes on iTunes to kind of get up to speed. But other than that, that's the intro for today. Sit back and relax and enjoy Chapter 3 of The Bagroom. The Bagroom by Adam Fonseca. Chapter 3. A golf course is nothing but a pool room moved outdoors. Quote by Barry Fitzgerald, Going My Way. By the end of that summer, I had been hired on part-time as a bagroom attendant, thus ending my days as a caddy at Elverton Country Club. Sure, I was still allowed to caddy if I wanted to on my days off, but I was making enough steady income, for a 16-year-old at least, to keep my Chevy Blazer filled with gas and enough cash to goof off at night. Another job skill that I learned quickly from my days as a caddy was how to become the biggest kiss-ass I could possibly be in order to earn more tips than the other guy I was working with that morning. When added to my $7 per hour wage, a good tip day would immediately bump that rate upwards of $15 to $16 an hour. Needless to say, I was kissing a lot of ass. The duties of the job were pretty simple for the most part, Make sure the members' clubs were clean and in the proper shelving slot. Keep the sand bottles and golf carts filled with sand and gas, respectively. Fold towels for the locker room and for each golf cart. Elverton tried to be high class by putting hand towels in each cart so members could use them to wipe their golf balls. Most just stole the towels. And maintain the driving range. That last item on the list, maintaining the driving range, was by far the worst part of the job. 
You could have asked any bagroom employee, and they all would have said the same thing. Sure, it, it seems like an easy task. Set out the range balls every morning, drive the range picker tractor to retrieve the balls, or we called it the picker, run the baskets of balls through the ball washer, and repeat the following day. What wasn't immediately clear to a new bagroom boy like me was that anything could go horribly wrong during any of those seemingly simple steps that would ultimately ruin the rest of your day. My first experience with setting up the range came the first weekend after being hired in the bagroom. As with most part-time jobs, the typical day was broken out into two shifts, 6 a.m. to 2 p.m. and 2 p.m. to close. This particular Saturday, I was on the closing shift along with another veteran bagroom employee, Clayton Phillips. He was not only one of the best employees at the club, he also smoked more pot than anyone I had ever met. He would come to work stoned and remain that way throughout the six or seven hours of his shift, and if that wasn't impressive enough, he also managed to never make a mistake during his shift. All the members loved him, the golf pros loved him, and the lifeguards at ACC pool really loved him. Clayton was a handsome young man who led a carefree lifestyle that any self-respecting, beautiful lifeguard female would love to bring home to their disapproving parents. If Matthew McConaughey from Dazed and Confused worked at a golf course, Clayton Phillips was that character to the smallest detail. Clayton and I had made our way to the driving range picker, and he was attempting to give me a crash course in driving the contraption while also packing a one-hitter, or a metal pipe used to smoke small bits of pot at a time, in his lap. He was seated on the passenger side, and I was behind the wheel. All right, man, Clayton had said. These things handle just like a normal golf cart, except you've got that big tractor thing in front of you. Take your turns slow, try not to make them too sharp, and don't ride along any hills sideways. I don't want to spill my wheat. Cool? Clayton was right. The picker was relatively easy to drive and handled almost exactly like a golf cart would. Getting used to the tractor extending out in front of you didn't take too much time, and within a few minutes we were cruising around the driving range, scooping up golf balls with no problem. Clayton was surrounded in a cloud of sour-smelling smoke while offering pointers to me between puffs. This lesson was going pretty smoothly. Now, remember when I said that Elberton Country Club was more of a dog track than an actual golf course? The particular piece of land that the club was built around was not only littered with hills and valleys, but also had a wide creek that ran through 13 of the 18 holes on the course. This creek was widest near the first and third holes, but it also featured a pretty wide and horribly inconvenient portion smack dead in the middle of the driving range. I'm sure you can see where this is going. While coming down a hill by one of the four target greens on the range, careful to not spill any of Clayton's pot, of course, the setting sun managed to glare on the picker's windshield just enough to blind me for about two seconds. This temporary blindness was just enough to allow me to drive perpendicular to the creek at full speed. Shit, dude, turn the wheel! Clayton barked at me as we were just a few feet away from falling into the creek. I managed to turn the steering wheel hard to the right, Clayton's pot was a goner, and the cab rode to the side of the creek for a split second before finding grass once again. Another lesson I learned that day was that the picker's tractor was actually wider than the cab of the vehicle, and the entire left half of the tractor was now swimming in the creek bed. I also learned that the ACC Creek had a pretty strong current, which was taking range balls out of the tractor's baskets at an alarming rate. Clayton and I jumped out of the picker and ran down to the foot of the creek and surveyed the situation. Now what the hell are we going to do? I asked. I hadn't even been on the job for more than a few weeks, and all I could think about was how Brewer was going to react when he learned I broke his range picker. Of course, I had no idea if it was broke or not, but I have a habit of assuming the worst. 
Clayton jumped down into the creek, which was only a foot or so deep, and started pushing on the tractor. Get in the picker and floor it in reverse, Silk. I'll lift here and it should work. I followed his orders and climbed back into the picker, reached down on the floor, clicked the transmission switch to reverse, and hit the gas. Clayton stayed in the creek and did the best he could to lift the heavy tractor. After a few seconds, the picker started to roll backwards, and eventually Clayton was able to guide the tractor out of the creek and back onto land. I stopped the picker and climbed out to help Clayton out of the creek. Sorry about that, man. Maybe I shouldn't drive this thing anymore? Are you kidding? You know how many times we've driven this thing into the creek? Shit, man. I used to do it once a week just to make more time down here and away from the bitchy members up by the club. Clayton was already packing another hitter with that weed he had left. Don't sweat it. Besides, when Brewer hears that you've broken your picker cherry, he's going to laugh it off. Perhaps the most important lesson I learned while working in the bag room was that most of the guys were decent dudes, which went completely against the impression I had of them as a caddy. We hated the bagroom guys, even to the point where we would avoid them at all costs when walking around the property of Elverton. The avoidance always seemed to be based on whatever fear a younger child has when approaching an older kid. I remember having the same feelings of avoidance during grade school or in my early high school years whenever I would run into upperclassmen. While there were a few instances when my fears were realized because of some jerk at school, most of the time these fears were completely irrational and quickly diminished once I actually got to know the person. I still tend to become fearful of uncertain situations even to this day, but befriending and working alongside some of the bagroom employees helped me settle those concerns much faster than I probably otherwise would have. Clayton and I finished picking the range. Uh, Clayton drove for a bit while he showed me where to stay away from on the terrain and how to not drive the damn thing into the creek, and then drove the picker up towards the caddy shack to our iron baskets where we could empty the balls from the tractor in preparation for running each basket through the ball washer. While the range picker was simple to drive, the old range ball washer was a completely different problem. As I stood up next to the ball washer, Clayton could see that I was completely confused as to how he even turned the device on, let alone operate with any sense of skill. You look like a lost puppy, man, he said as he walked up to assist. Here, let me explain what this piece of shit can do. The ball washer worked like this. You pour a basket of balls into the top of the machine, which looked a lot like a wood chipper. The top of the machine was angled down to allow for the balls to roll towards the middle of the machine, which then fed into a circular track that wrapped around a large brush submerged in water. When the washer was turned on, the brush would spin and guide the balls along the track until ultimately dropping out of the bottom of the machine and into another waiting basket. An entire basket of range balls, which could fit upwards of 300 balls when filled to the brim, could be cleaned in less than a few minutes when the machine was working properly. The key, of course, was that the washer had to be working properly. It never did. Clayton showed me where to load the golf balls into the washer, and then went back outside the caddy shack to empty the rest of the tractor. Before too long, I had the washer running at full speed with no problems, and the balls were moving through their track with ease. After a while, I began to notice a peculiar smell, however, coming from the bottom of the washer. Hey, Clayton, something stinks in here, man. That's just the water, man. Smell like it hasn't been changed in a couple of days. As long as there's soap in there, you should be fine. Do you see any suds? I confirmed that I did, in fact, see soap suds pouring out of the machine and onto the shack's cement floor. The smell started to get worse as the first basket of balls finished, but I paid no attention and grabbed another basket of dirty golf balls that Clayton had brought for me to clean. After pouring the dirty basket into the top of the washer, I flipped the switch to on and started the machine to work on the second basket. Suddenly, the foul smell was now accompanied by a screeching sound 
and the ball stopped moving along their track. Great, I thought to myself. First the picker, and now I broke this? Clayton heard the screeching sound and strolled up to me near the washer. Aw, that sucks, man. Looks like there's a ball stuck near the brush. You're going to have to turn it off and fish that little fucker out. What Clayton was referring to, and something I couldn't have possibly known prior to turning on the washer, was that sometimes a driving range ball will have a small cut in its cover thanks to years of being smashed by irons and drivers. The issue was that when one of these cut balls made their way into the washer's track, it would literally wrap itself around the iron track and get stuck, thus halting the entire cleaning process. Oh, and it would cause the washer to scream like a banshee, too. This was a complete pain in the ass, and by far the worst aspect of picking the driving range. In fact, if you were to go to Alberton right now and ask the bagroom boys hated most about the driving range, they would undoubtedly say, that fucking ball washer. To make matters worse, the only way to clear out the stuck ball from the washer was to take off the top of the machine and stick your hands into the foul, disgusting water and feel around until you found the cracked ball. Clayton watched as I knelt down and begrudgingly reached into the machine's water tub. After a few seconds of searching and whining to Clayton that I couldn't find the ball, I suddenly felt its sharpness on my fingertips that could only be that of a cracked golf ball. Now, what Clayton did teach me was why the ball washer stopped. What he didn't explain was how I could actually remove the broken golf ball from the track. So, I had to improvise. With my fingers secured tightly around the cracked golf ball, I started to tug as hard as I could, trying my damnedest to get the ball out of the track. When I noticed it simply wasn't moving, I decided to place my foot on the base of the tub for more leverage. With one final violent pull on the cracked golf ball, I managed to free the ball from the track. I also fell backwards onto my ass with the fall water. I also fell backwards onto my ass with the foul water and washer's tub completely emptying on top of me. Golf balls were rolling everywhere. Water that hadn't been changed in probably a month was in my mouth, in my eyes, and had completely soaked my clothing. The smell was beyond hideous. I have yet to experience a smell anything close to what that stale, stagnant, golf course, chemical-saturated water bath offered to me as I laid on my back surrounded by the mess I had just created. When I did manage to finally open my eyes, I noticed that I not only was looking at Clayton, but also the lifeguard he was currently dating was looking down at me, Sarah Swalski. To say that this particular lifeguard was hot or attractive would be an understatement. And, of course, now she was staring down at me as I was covered in filth. Did you get the ball? Sarah asked as she smiled. Clayton had already begun laughing behind her. I peered over at my left hand and noticed I was still holding the cracked golf ball, which I lifted up to show Sarah. Yeah, I I got it, I said as I picked myself up off the ground. After we all shared a quick laugh, and after Clayton reminded Sarah that I also drove the range picker into the creek, he was a good guy, he told me to go home for the night and that he would finish the job for me. While walking away from the caddy shack and towards my Chevy Blazer, I looked back at Clayton and Sarah just in time to see them shut the shack's door and turn off the light, presumably to take care of additional business besides cleaning golf balls. I later learned that Sarah had gotten pregnant that evening in the caddy shack, making Clayton the first bagroom boy during my stint to quit Elverton because he needed to go find a real job. I sometimes wonder if they named their child after me, and if they had to throw away their clothes because of that water smell.
All right. That well, that was chapter three of the bag room, and I, you know, it's still funny looking at this and just rereading what I wrote. First and foremost, some of the language in this is just terrible. Like I understand that when I was writing it, I wanted to write it to be pretty true to how we actually talked growing up. And as I mentioned in the intro a few episodes ago, you, I mean, we, we talked terribly. I mean, we had awful language. I still do to a degree for those of you who might know me. Um, so I apologize in advance for that. But at any rate, um, the story with Clayton and his girlfriend, I mean, uh, all of this is true, obviously, but it, I mean, I still remember that to this day. And that wasn't the the only time that Clayton and I worked together, but he was actually, he was the guy that taught me how to to drive the range picker as well as uh, clean the ball washer. And, you know, if you've worked at a country club, and as I mentioned earlier, the, the ball washer is terrible, or a driving range, if you worked at one of those two. It's a, it's a terrible machine. I mean, I, I hope that they've they've come up with new ways to wash golf balls. And I think, actually, if you go to one of those vending machines uh, at, a, at, like, a municipal course where you got to put the tokens in, you know what I mean? I think they actually have ball washers inside those now so that the balls actually get cleaned when they get dispensed. But, man, this thing was the oldest contraption in the world. And, and the smell, I mean... I, I can't do it justice what it smelled like. I it was it was awful. It was absolutely terrible. But uh, I did I did spill it all over myself. It was a very interesting thing to explain to my mother coming home. Uh I think I just threw the, the, the pants away, if I remember correctly, but it was pretty bad. It was pretty bad. So anyway, uh that was chapter three of the bag room. Uh thanks to those of you who are reaching out to me asking where where the following chapters are or the future chapters are. I, I really appreciate that. I had no idea if people would want me to do this. I didn't know how the reception would be and it's been really good up to this point. So I will continue to read the chapters. Um so chapter 4 will be next and I'll just have to go through it again with a fine tooth comb. I had to actually take a couple parts out of chapter 3 uh because you know what? They just they just weren't weren't good to be to be putting out <laughs> for the world to hear. So anyway, appreciate you guys listening. Once again, you can reach me on Twitter at golf unfiltered. You can send me an email, golfunfiltered at gmail.com. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Golf Unfiltered Podcast. Take care.